0: When you hear the word holy, uh, what do you think? Maybe, hey, where's my uh, slides? They're coming. Be patient. We're good now? All right. Maybe you think, holy cow. Maybe you think that this will work. Holy moly. Y'all got any? Holy what? Holy cow's up there. You got to have something different. What? Guacamole. I didn't think of that. Holy macaroni. Holy Toledo. Y'all heard that one? <laughs> These are silly. How about holy smoke? Were y'all here for my lesson on holy smoke? Yeah, we burned some stuff. It's pretty cool.
1: What's that? Yeah.
0: A couple eyebrows burned off. <laughs> Made for great YouTube. How about Holy Spirit, Holy Ravioli? My favorite. We can't say that in here. So, it's not my favorite. But it is the way I used to talk. Um,. But holy, man, is, is, it's a word that gets thrown around, but usually in silly terms, we don't really talk about holiness a lot, and, and when you hear it, you either think of some weird concept in the religious world, or you think some silly concept like this, but do we really have a good definition, a good working definition that's meaningful to us? I want you to leave here today with that. If we're going to revive holiness, first of all, we've got to know what it is, and You know, there's a lot of passages that have the the word holy in it. And, of course, if you you look up in a good Bible dictionary, you'll get a good Bible textbook definition of holy. And it's set what? Apart. Um, But it's more than that. And, in fact, it's not just set apart. Most people answer that way that have been in Bible class for very long. They'll say, well, holy means set apart. But it means set apart for a purpose. And specifically for God's purpose. It's not just set off to the side and it's just different and weird for no reason. But it's set apart for the purpose of God. And guys, you know, the King James Version of the Bible would call us peculiar people. It does call us weird. We're strangers in this place. And when we're holy, we become stranger and more peculiar. Because we're more like God and we're less like the world. Leviticus, I thought, said it pretty well and summarized, uh, man, this thing does not work well. Here we go. One more time. There we go. Leviticus 20, verse 26. You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy and I have set you apart. Here's our Bible definition. I have set you apart from the nations, but for what? to be my own. And guys, the moment Jesus died on that cross and He made this salvation available to you and you decided, yeah, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to die to myself. I want to be baptized into His death, into His burial, into His resurrection. I want to be raised to walk in newness of life. Jesus is going to save me from my sins, but I'm not just making Him Savior. I'm going to make Him my Lord as well. When you made that decision, you were bought, and you're no longer your own. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to Christ who paid a debt you couldn't pay. And so what it means to be holy fundamentally is, I'm going to surrender my life, I'm going to change my mind, I'm repenting, I'm being baptized, I'm surrendering, I'm dying, and I'm just giving myself over to God. And therefore, I am set apart now for his purpose, for his will. Whatever he says, that's what I'm going to do. I want you to think right now. This is a class, so a little interaction. I want you to think right now. If God said, go, what would you have a hard time doing? Like if he said, jump. If he says, this is what I want you to do, what would, what would you have a difficult time doing? Alright, maybe you got a lot of questions. Why would you want me to do that? Guys, uh, over and over in the Scripture, man, you see God just say, go, and He doesn't give any reasoning. He doesn't give any rationale. He just says, go. One of them that sticks out in my mind is, is Philip. In Acts chapter 8, you see uh, God coming to Philip and saying, hey, Philip, go to the road, the desert road that goes down from Gaza to Jerusalem. I just want you to go there. Philip asks no questions. He just picks up and he goes. Would that be you? See, we all want the impact of a Philip, right? We all want to be effective like Philip was and by the end of our story help our friend that we just met in the middle of the desert become a Christian, right? And then, you know, history tells us that that particular guy he met was from Ethiopia and and probably that's why, you know, Africa has the the huge population of Christianity that does today. It probably started with that guy and we, we think, man, that'd be cool if God would use me in that way. He'd... Let me cross paths with this one guy that ends up having this huge impact. They become a Christian, then they help all these other people become Christians. Man, I would love to be a part of something like that. But when God says go, are you like Philip and say, all right? Or are you like, well, what's that going to cost? Where am I going? Why am I going? What am I doing when I get there? You've got to have all these things in place. See, we want the effectiveness of guys like Philip, but we don't really want... To maybe be the type of person that Philip was and be able to just answer the call whenever God says. And so really, fundamentally, sometimes we've forgotten that we are not our own. That he bought us. That we're set apart for his purpose and not our own. Why are you in school? Is it to get your degree? To get your job? To get your money? So you can buy your dog and your house? Have your family and be comfortable. Is that what you're in school for? That's lame, guys. I'll just tell you. Because that stuff, that, that's lame. It's what everybody's doing, but it's lame. Man, you could be like a superhero, man, on God's team, though, man. You could, like, impact eternity, not just get a, a, a degree. Man, you say, well, I'm going to get a Ph.D. You know what that stands for? Piled higher and deeper. That's all that is. That's all it is. I don't mean to offend you guys, but listen, that PhD ain't going to amount to anything in eternity. Nothing. How smart you are isn't going to matter in eternity. Suddenly all the stupid people and all the smart people will all be together, (laughs) you know? All the people you don't, you don't get along with down here, man, they might be up there, and now you're stuck. <laughs> you know, the most segregated day of the week is Sunday, right? There's going to be a lot of uncomfortable people in heaven. This is the way it is, man. I don't like that type of people. Well, they're going to be in heaven. You better get used to it now. Guys, being set apart for holiness and and, and reviving holiness means fundamentally what I'm trying to get at. It means you're going to have to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to be willing to get uncomfortable. Being set apart for God is going to make you the oddball. It's going to make you the weirdo. It's going to make you the one that people say, oh man, why aren't you going to that party? Or man, you think you're too good for us. Oh man, you're lame. Oh man, you're a virgin. What's wrong with you, man? Something, something wrong with you? Something don't work? I've heard it all, man. Oh, you don't drink? Listen, I went on a field trip with my daughter. She's a fifth grader. I went on a field trip to Washington, D.C. for a week. This was right before I came here. I just got back last week from this. While I was there, one of her little friends, of course, I'm like the coolest dad because I'm like the youngest dad there. All right, so I'm, I'm the one they want to come over to my room and pillow fight and all that kind of stuff. All right, so they're getting real comfortable with me. This one little girl comes up, and I had bought a root beer at one of the, the places because I collect root beer. All right, I love root beer. Root beer keggers, I'm all about it. All right, but listen. I love root beer, and I bought this collectible root beer. I'd never found one like it. It was awesome. I was excited about it. I was carrying it around the store. One of these little fifth-grade girls comes up to me and says, Ooh, and I said, Yeah, you like root beer? And she said, Oh, I thought that was real beer. I said, Well, what do you think it is? It's not imaginary, you know. <laughs> I'm just joking. I was like, It's, it's real. What are you talking about? I'm about to drink this. She's like, no, it's not alcoholic, though. I said, you're right. That'd be nasty, you know? And she's like, you don't drink? I said, no, it's nasty. I like to remember my fun the next morning. She's like, you mean you've never been drunk? I said, why would you want to get drunk? She's like, your life must be lame. Fifth grader. No, 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 you're laughing, but this is at a Christian school. I pay tuition at this place. It's not public school. These are rich families. Going to Bible class every day. You don't drink. You don't get drunk. Your life must be lame. A fifth grade girl. I'm getting pumped by a fifth grade girl because of my decision to set myself apart for God. I'm glad I'm secure, man. Boy, she could have ruined my day. <laughs> uh, she don't like me. You know, it's like we, weird stuff that we worry about, man. But listen, if you're a Christian, you're going to face that over and over and over again. I want to ask you something, though. How well are we doing with our holiness? Rate it. From a 1 to a 10, how are y'all doing? Raise your hand and tell me how you feel like you're doing. 10 being God, 1 being the devil. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> where you at? Holy, where you at?
1: If I was honest, I'd probably say three or four.
0: Three or four? All right. Huh? Second that? Three or four? You closer to the devil than you are Jesus? All right, I'll feel you. What? What? That's okay. You being honest. Where, where else are y'all? Any of y'all doing better than that?
1: Six.
0: Oh. All right. Boy, I sit next to him. Five? Boy, you're just on the fence, huh? You can't decide where to go. Just dabbling over there, dabbling over here. Where y'all at? Where you at, Clint? I want to hear from a leader. (laughs) (laughs) Solid (laughs) seven. The number of perfection. (laughs) Where you at in the back? Woo! Mercy! Boy, I bet you there's some theology behind that answer. He ain't just trying to be proud. He's probably saying, man, Christ made me a 10. My performance ain't what it's about. It's about my position. I bet that's what you're thinking. Amen, hey, brother? Is that what you're thinking? Or are you thinking you're just good? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. I thought you were going the wrong direction, but I'm on the same page with you. Amen. How are we doing? Look at the Ten Commandments. Man, why can't we look at the Ten Commandments? There we go. All right. Let's go through them. Uh, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You ever put something before God? To the level where it was like controlling you? So that's a God. So raise your hand if you've had a God before God. All right, me too. Um, Thou shalt not make any graven images. Y'all ever like sculpted an idol? How about just had one? You ever had an idol? Yeah? Anything can be an idol. Money, video games, porn, all kinds of good things. Raise your hand if you've had an idol. How about number three? Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. You ever busted out a G.D. before? Raise your hand. Right over it. Huh, me too. Y'all ever just stubbed your toe? Jesus Christ. Why do we say it like that? I mean, it's like, you ever done that? All right, we're not doing too well. Uh, number four, remember the Sabbath day. Anybody ever worked on uh, Saturday? Anybody ever worked on a Saturday? Dang. Y'all terrible. <laughs> Y'all batting a thousand the wrong direction. What's number five? Uh, honor your father and mother. Anybody ever dis- disrespected mom or dad? Okay. Y'all sure y'all like a six? Where's number six? He laughed, didn't he? <laughs> I'm not a six.
1: <laughs>
0: All right, number seven. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, we skipped six. Thou shalt not kill. Anybody ever, you're willing to admit? I won't turn you in. Anybody ever kill somebody? I won't turn you in. Somebody in here might. You're like, I ain't tell you. <laughs> Listen, all y'all kill somebody because Jesus died for you. So everybody should raise your hand. It's because of your sin that he died on the cross. So you're a murderer. You don't get to put that on the guys that actually put the nail in and nailed it down. That's on us. How about... uh? Number seven, committed adultery. You're like, yes, finally. I am not, I've never been married. I'm not adulterous. Wrong. Everybody raise your hand. The minute you sinned, you stepped out on Jesus, man. You stepped out on God. He calls it adultery. He says, you adulterous generation. Man, Don't li- I mean, go over to Ezekiel and listen to what he has to say, man. He's got some stuff to say. Well, he breaks out some words that you're afraid to say in church. And it's in the Bible. And he calls you that. And me that. And when you've got a side relationship on God, he says you're an adulterer. What about um, number eight? Anybody ever stole? Raise your hand if you're a thief. Yeah? A bunch of thieves? You don't like that, do you? You don't like me? It's like... Did you steal? Yes. You're a thief. Hey. <laughs> it's like, Hey, buddy. No, if you steal, what are you? A thief. Yeah. What about, um? you ever lie? Bear false witness? Anybody ever lie? Liars. See, like, hey. <laughs> yes, I've lied. I'm not a liar. Yeah, of course you are. You're a liar. Number 10. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. You ever watch Cribs? MTV Cribs? Yeah? You ever say, man, I want a TV like that guy, you know? It's like a thousand inches. Yeah. You want somebody else's car? Your SUV isn't big enough? Yeah? How did y'all do? Y'all suck, man. So do I. We're terrible. We're not, you know, if if I were to answer the question, I'd either get really theological like the gentleman in the back and say, I'm a 10 and all because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. That's true. Or if I'm going based off my performance, I'm a dead zero. I'm a dead zero. There ain't no three. There's no four. I'm a zero. In fact, even if you didn't break all of those, Paul comes in and says, if you broke one, you broke them all. So, oh, well. We're all guilty. We're all very, very, very unholy when it comes to our performance. Let's, let's make it worse here. Anybody got a, a greed problem, a consumerism problem? You ever have to have the, the next latest gadget, even though you're, the one you got is perfectly good? Hey, take out these little devices. You ever upgrade when this one still works just fine? But the other one's got a bigger screen. The other one's a little faster. And we got problems, man. Uh, workaholism. Anybody ever worked more than one job? Anybody ever worked more than two jobs? And when, you know, your campus minister or your preacher or somebody says, Where are you at, man? We ain't seen you forever. I've got a job. No, you're a workaholic. You don't have time for God. You don't have time to show up to class. You don't have time to grow spiritually, man. You are doing too much. Workaholic. Selfish marriages. You see that in the church? Y'all ever deal with marriage problems? Ever see people dealing with marriage problems? When's the last person, get that person in your mind that had a divorce recently. You got somebody? You didn't have to think too hard, did you? And very often it's people in the church. And if everybody was real honest, even, raise your hand if you're married. Raise your hand if you're married. Wow, we got more in here than I thought. Keep your hand, married people, keep your hand up for a second. All right, now keep it up. If you can, I'm asking you to be honest. Keep it up if you had a significant fight in the last month. Now, keep it up. If you don't do something about that, the way that God says do something about it, could that become worse? Could it get far enough down the road that you're just the next statistic in the divorce category? Absolutely. Put your arm down. I know it's tired. It's absolutely the case, guys. There's no, none of us are immune to this, man. We've got to admit that if we're going to pursue this revival of holiness, we've got to acknowledge, number one, that we have a lot of work to do. All right. My little, my little baby, I wasn't even going to use it, but I don't have my big dummy up here. So this is actually a very expensive little thing. You can actually compress it. It's got lights that light up if you didn't do it the right way and stuff. But listen, some of these problems is not going to be fixed by get better. I mean, some of these problems are going to require something similar to what you saw me doing on the stage a little earlier where I'm just down, I'm giving it my all, I'm sweating, I'm perspiring, I'm, I'm, I'm screaming, I'm hollering, I'm trying to give it everything I've got to fix this thing. And revival of holiness is going to take a lot of work. Look at some of these others, man. Addiction, you just name it. Racism, we ain't got any problems with that, right? Um, pornography and sex outside of God's design. God says sex is good, man. And it is. But it's got to be in the right context or it's not good. It's like anything. He creates many things that are to be enjoyed and to be. Uh, that we're to participate in, but we, we twist it and we distort it and we make it something ugly and it's no longer holy. Sex is holy. It's set apart for marriage. It's God-ordained. It's God-designed. But you take it out of its context, you twist it, and suddenly it's something ugly and something unholy. And you see the rest on the list. Unwholesome talk, bad language. Complaining is right in the same list. Man, anybody here complain? I complain all the time. And it's unholy. It's absolutely unholy. And it's dangerous. It messes with our example, and that can hinder somebody knowing Jesus. Do you know that? And we don't take it seriously enough. I wanted to reiterate this point um, Jeremiah 6, 14, it says, They dressed the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. We just established that we got a big problem, right? We got a very big, unholy problem in so many areas of life. But if you try to put a band-aid on some of that stuff, or you you just let it sit and you don't deal with it, you just let it fester, it will do that. It will fester, it will get worse. And before you know it, you're so far down the road that you don't know if you can come back. That's the way sin works. It continues to grow, and it gets worse. It affects more people. We start putting other sins on top of it, right? We might lie to to hide or all kinds of stuff that that, that we end up doing. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. We put a Band-Aid on this huge gash, like I'm spewing out, and I put a little Band-Aid on it. We've got to treat it the way that it's meant to be treated if we're going to have a revival of holiness. Um, Look at what 2 Timothy... uh, We looked at this earlier too, but notice in the list, one of the things is unholy. This is a mark of the terrible times that we're in. And and there's so many of these things that really are categorized under that umbrella of unholy. But it's part of what makes our day and time difficult. And, terrible. and now I want you to see this. This is probably the most challenging passage to me about holiness in the whole Bible. I want you to see it. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort. Think about that phrase. That means everything you can possibly try, do it. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. You got any problems with peace with people in here, guys? Raise your hand if you got a peace problem with somebody. You angry with somebody? Have you made every effort, as far as it depends on you, to live at peace with that person? Have you made every effort? And have you made every effort to be holy? Pick one of those things that we've covered already. One of those ugly, unholy things that you said, yes, I'm guilty of that. Have you made every effort to get rid of it? Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. And notice what happens if you don't. Without holiness, no one's going to see the Lord. Do you know that your unholiness is, a, is directly connected to whether some people are going to find Jesus or not. So you say, no, 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 that's, that's, it's not that deep. Somebody else will help them. See, just because I'm not doing well, that's, it's not that big a deal. Somebody's going to do better than me, they'll help them. Scripture says, man, without holiness, no one's going to see the Lord. And then a very similar sentiment is in Romans chapter 2, 17 through 24. But I just want you to see verse 24. This is the passage where Paul says, man, no one is good. No one does right. Everyone is evil. He just goes on a rant, pulling out Scripture after Scripture after Scripture, just quoting them left and right. But verse 24 says, as it is written, because of all this unholiness... As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Now, <clears throat> this is particularly bad when you're in a ministry that's baptizing a lot of people. All right? A lot of people that are just coming straight out the world. They weren't raised in the church. By the way, I wasn't either. Um, I was raised in a home... The only Bible we had was a little dust-collecting Gideon Bible. Y'all seen those little green ones that they pass out for free? That was over on the shelf. It was in some language I didn't understand. We didn't pray. We didn't talk about God. We didn't go to church or anything growing up. So I know where that, you know, if that's your background, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. But do you realize that God's name could be blasphemed among people that don't know God because of the way you live? What's the number one criticism of churches from people that are not a part of them? They're what? They're hypocrites. I don't want to be part of that. They say all this stuff, but they, they live in just like me. That's this passage in, in reality. right? It's, it's being lived out. They say, man, they're having sex just like we are. They're getting drunk just like we are. They're in the club just like we are. They just show up to an extra activity once a week or twice a week. And do weird things, sing weird songs and talk about weird stuff that I know nothing about. But they're doing all the same stuff I'm doing. And so God's name is blasphemed because of us when we're hip. When we're hypocrites. Now, finally getting... What is your name in the back there, sir? Yes, sir. What is it? Boyd. Boyd. Appreciate your comment earlier, Boyd. And... This is where I think Boyd is coming from. The Hebrew writer says a really powerful thing that gives us some hope. He says, By one sacrifice, he, being God, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. See, now, we are a 10 when it comes to God's finished work that he accomplished at the cross. And now He has pronounced upon us. It's it's the religious word that this righteousness of God has been imputed to you. In other words, you didn't do it. It wasn't based on your behavior. He just said, bloop, righteous. And now you're covered, you're clean, you're, you're washed. And you're perfect in God's sight. But look at this. He made you perfect, but then, that's past tense, but then you got this. Present tense that's moving forward, this active, ongoing thing that says you're being made holy. So here's what's going on, guys. God washes your sins away. You come up, you're a new creature. And so when he looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus. You come out of the water of baptism and your mind was totally surrendered in repentance. And you come up and when God looks at you, he sees Jesus and not you. And that's good news. You know why? Because he thought real highly of Jesus. He's like, that's my boy. With him, I'm well pleased. So, if you're clothed in Christ, perfect. You can enter the presence of God with confidence and boldness. You can approach the throne of grace only because you're wearing the clothing of Christ. But your behavior that the rest of the world sees still got some catching up to do. And that's what we're talking about today. God can, can clean you up and make you perfect in His sight. But now, you, you've got to allow your behavior to be revived and catch up to your new identity and your new reality that you found in Christ. And that's what you're making every effort to conquer. Every effort. What good news though, man? You're perfect, just act like it. Isn't that a cool message? You are perfect. Act like it. You're totally holy. Just act like it. Be who God says you are. Don't be who the world says you are. Don't be who you've convinced yourself that you are. Oh, I'll always be that way. That's just the way I am. No, man, make every effort to let your behavior catch up to your reality. How? How? Habakkuk 2.20. I want you to see this. This is so powerful, man. Here's your answer. You ready? This is the answer. This is beautiful. I can't wait. I'm making you wait for a reason. What do you think that says? He's got a list of things to do. Things that you can jot down. All right, I'm ready. All right, what am I going to do? This is so cool, man. This is so cool. God is so backwards, except I'm really the one backwards. This is not the way I think. But look at what he says. The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before Him. There's your answer. Why is that the answer? Guys, do y'all know what this is uh, in the top? Man... All right, there we go. What is in the top left-hand side of that screen? Anybody know what that is? Raise your hand if you know what that is. Nobody. That is funny. That is a 56K modem. Still don't know what it is? You know, computers used to be connected to phone lines, (laughs) that's what that was. You got your internet by your computer literally dialing a phone number and connecting. Like it would ring and everything. Like you're making a phone call to a person. And this was so slow, see y'all are so young and I feel so old and this is not even that old guys. But I remember hitting the enter, I type in my website, hit the enter button and then go get some food, you know, and come back 15 minutes later and the page might be up. And that was 56K. That was blazing fast at the time. But see, then y'all remember 3G. Y'all are young enough for 3G, right? You remember when 3G was like really, really fast? And now all it does is make you really, really mad. <laughs> it's like, huh. if I hit a 3G area, are you serious? I get, I get in panic mode. Like, I can't function with 3G. And, and I remember when it first came out, it was the stuff. Y'all remember that? And now 4G is slipping. Right? 4G is not fast enough. I got to have Google Fiber. You know, that's coming to Huntsville. Are y'all getting in St. Louis? Huntsville is one of four cities that's like getting it right away. I'm so excited. You don't know what it is? Oh, my goodness. It's like 4G on super steroids. It's like um, a thousand times faster. Like, really, a thousand times faster. Anyway, my technological geeks in here appreciate this, but it's going to be super fast. Like, y'all know Netflix, right? When it buffers, does that make anybody else mad? There's no buffering with Google Fiber. You could be watching a thousand channels and just be cruising. No hiccups, no nothing. So 4G's got to go. we got to have some Google Fiber. But you know, the reason I bring this up, guys, is because we live in such a fast-paced world that if this is really, where'd it go, if this is really the solution, we got a problem. Do you see our problem? We're going so fast. How can we get still and silent to be with God in his holy temple in such a way that it's meaningful and his holiness passes to me? You see, we're so fast and we're so busy. I use this all the time. Busy stands for being under Satan's yoke. In other words, under his control. Some of y'all take too many classes in school. You're taking 20 plus hours. You got so much school spirit, you ain't got room for the Holy Spirit. That's true. You coming to cross chat? You coming to Bible study? Now I got class. Why? Well, that's the only time I could take the class. Really? It's canceled after this semester for all time? I don't think so. Man, look, what does faith look like in the Bible? It was like people making drastic decisions for the sake of the kingdom, like putting themselves on hold and doing this thing for God in drastic ways. A lot of times they were teenagers doing these amazing things. And we can't say something simple. We can't be this modern day faith hero and say something simple like, you know what, that's going to make me graduate a year later. But for God, I can do that. Why don't we think that way? Everything's about us. And revival cannot happen. God is not going to step in and do something amazing if we're just selfish. Holiness cannot be revived in the the atmosphere of selfishness. It's only in humility and surrender that revival happens of any kind. Where God says, you know what? I noticed that. And that guy's seeking me. He's seeking my face. He wants to know me. He's willing to lay stuff aside for me. That's who I'm going to operate through. That's how God works. We're so busy though, man. Satan's got us. God doesn't have us. And then I coined this phrase. I don't think anybody else has ever said it, and I don't get many of these, so I'm going to claim it. I'm not that creative, Okay. But how can we walk with God if we're running all the time? Y'all ever notice in the Bible that how often a relationship with God is described as someone walking with God? It just struck me one day that it's not a run with God. You know, it's a walk. In order to to get with God, man, I gotta slow down. And I I gotta put my phone up. Imagine that. I gotta sit that thing over there. That's not where life comes from it, but you would think it does. When that when that battery starts getting down and starts flashing, it's like, oh man, where's a plug? But what about when your spirit gets down? And you're like, oh, where's the church? Where's my brothers and sisters? You know, we don't what's with the phone? We're missing something, man. We're so busy and we're so fast and we're so entertainment-driven that we can't slow down and just get quiet so that God might actually work some type of revival and pass His holiness and transmit it to us, pass His character traits onto us and develop them in us. We've got to slow down. i got a video I want you to see. This is powerful. Y'all like poetry? All right, hit me with that... Uh, that video, please. I'm gonna sit up here.
1: That wasn't
0: it. Sound good, though. Hey, hey, looking promising. Woo, started over. This guy's better than me, man. He's spitting fire, man. I hope y'all can hear it. Get your snaps ready.
1: Did you know the average person spends four years of his life looking down at his cell phone? Kinda ironic, ain't it? How these touch screens can make us lose touch but it's no wonder in a world filled with iMacs, iPads, and iPhones So many eyes, so many selfies Not enough uses and we's See, technology has made us more selfish and separate than ever Cause while it claims to connect us Connection has gotten no better And let me express first, Mr. Zuckerberg Not to be rude, but you should reclassify Facebook to what it is An anti- Social Network Cause while we may have big friend lists So many of us are friendless all alone Cause friendships are more broken than the screens on our very phones We sit at home on our computers Measuring self-worth by numbers of followers and likes Ignoring those who actually love us It seems we'd rather write an angry post and talk to someone who might actually hug us Am I bugging? You tell me cause I asked a friend the other day, let's meet up face-to-face They said, alright What time you wanna Skype? I responded with, OMG S.R.S. and then a bunch of S.M.H.'s and realize What about me? Do I not have the patience to have conversation without abbreviation? This is the generation of media overstimulation. Chats have been reduced to snaps The news is 140 characters Videos are 6 seconds at high speed And you wonder why ADD is on the rise faster than 4G LTE But get a load of this Studies show the attention span of the average adult today it's one second lower Than that of a goldfish So if you're one of the few people or aquatic animals That have yet to click off or close this video Congratulations Let me finish by saying you do have a choice Yes But this one, my friends, we cannot autocorrect. We must do it ourselves. Take control or be controlled Make a decision Me? No longer do I wanna spoil a precious moment By recording it with a phone I'm just gonna keep them I don't want to take a picture of all my meals anymore I'm just gonna eat them I don't want the new app, the new software, or the new update And if I want to post an old photo Who says I have to wait until Thursday? I'm so tired of performing in the pageantry of vanity And conforming to this accepted form of digital insanity Call me crazy, but I imagine a world where we smile when we have low batteries Cause that'll mean we'll be one bar closer To humanity
0: And I would say, you know, we're one step closer to humanity, but we're one step closer to God. We're one step closer to being silent before Him. We're one step closer to Him being able to impart something to us that He desires deeply for us to have. And that's just one area of our life, but I knew that would hit at home, man. If that didn't hit you in some kind of way, man, then you, you were asleep. We've got a major problem with these devices and the speed of everything. We can't walk with God because we're running everywhere. We've got to make a conscious decision to say, I'm not going to be that way. I'm not going to just follow the trend and just go where everybody else is going. I'm going to put limits on what I do. Man, in my house, and I'm a cool dad. Look, man, I am cool. All right, we, we have fun. But when it's dinner time the phones go away. We're not, we're not doing that. I'm not going to be across from my son and the phone be more interesting than I am. That's not going to happen. And I want to encourage you, man, to, to set limits on this kind of stuff and to fast... I mean, fasting can be food and it needs to be food when you, when you fast, but it can be these phones and stuff too, man. You can fast and just say, God, you're more important than this stuff. And I want it to be obvious in my life. I want people to guess what my life is all about. I want to be able to connect, truly connect with God and truly connect with people, not through some, um, distant media. This is where I want to kind of wrap up. It's with this this statement that's in the famous passage about praying. If my people would pray. And I want to just call your attention to a few things in this prayer. But it says, If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I would hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and will heal their land. I want you to just, obviously, it's a conditional statement. We covered that in the last, the last time I spoke. He says, if you'll do this, then I'll do my thing. So we got we to commit to doing these things. But the first one is we got to commit to doing this prayer thing in Jesus' name. And I don't mean at the end of the prayer saying the words in Jesus' name. That's not what that means. It's not an abracadabra phrase that somehow makes the prayer more powerful. That phrase means something, though. It means by the authority of Jesus. In other words, man, if he authorized this thing, if he said this is what I want you to be about and you pray about that thing, he's going to back it because it's in his name. It's what he set you out to do. You know, a prayer that will get answered 100 percent of the time. If it's from your heart is God, use me. He wants to use you. He said, I want to use you. He said, I want, to be, I want you to be my instruments. I want you to be my ambassadors. So if you pray, God, I want to be your ambassador, he's going to say, okay. There are certain prayers that are actually in Jesus' name, and that's why Jesus says, whatever you ask for in my name, it will be given to you. That doesn't mean, God, I would like a Ferrari in Jesus' name. Where's my Ferrari? That's not what it means. But it means, man, let me pray about something Jesus set me out to do, and then He'll say, okay, I got you on that. I'm going to back you. Here's a prayer for you. Hey, God, when I go do this, would you be with me? Guess what? He said He would. So, ding, answered prayer, yes. It's 100% yes, I'll be with you. We've got to pray in Jesus' name. Look at this. This is a prayer. It says, For the sake of your name, O Lord, revive me. You want to be revived? Pray that way. Why revive me? For your sake, God, revive me. See, why do we want revived? We want revived for selfish reasons. Revive me. Get me out of this. You know, make this better for me. But if it's revive me for your sake, God, for your kingdom... So I can serve you better. If it's, if it's not the me focus, but it's revive me for you, God. I think that one, get, that one gets answered. But when it's revive me and I've got this selfish ambition, this, this ulterior motive. Don't expect the prayer to be answered. Or maybe not at least in the answer of yes. You might get a resounding uh-uh. Right? 2 Chronicles 7.14, the second part of that says, if you'll humble yourself and pray and seek my face. Well, what does that mean? When's the last time you prayed and actually said, okay, before I pray, I'm going to humble myself first. See, a lot of times we're like, man, I pray and I don't, I don't get any answers. God must not be there. No, well, that's the wrong conclusion to draw. <laughs> don't put the blame on God for your prayer not being answered. You need to first look inward and say, why isn't my prayer being answered? Is there something about me? Is there something about the way I'm asking or my heart or my motive or my sin that's blocking my prayer from getting to God? That needs to be where my mind goes. Not, I wonder if God still loves me because I'm not getting the answer to my prayer. Humble yourselves first and pray and seek His face. Man, you want to know what He looks like. You want to know what He's like and you want to experience Him. Hebrews 5, 7, this passage, I've read through Hebrews, I don't know how many times, guys, and it was forever before this passage jumped off the page to me. I want you you to look at this. This is amazing to me. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And look at that. He was heard because of his reverent submission. See, I used to think Jesus was heard just because he's Jesus. That's not what it was. According to the Hebrew writer, Jesus was heard. His cries and his fervent prayers were heard for one reason. Because he was reverent and he was submissive in his prayer. And that's Jesus. Not even Jesus got a pass on his prayers, guys. Isn't that fired up? You want God to listen to you? You want God to revive you? we got to get into this submission posture. We've got to get in this reverent posture and humble ourselves and pray. And then maybe that prayer won't hit a ceiling. But God will actually listen. Do you, do you realize that? God does not listen to all prayers. You know that? You ever heard that before? Is that news to you? He didn't listen to all prayers. I'm not making it up. I'm going to show you. Psalm 27, 4. Well, this is pretty cool too. Look at what the psalmist says. He said, one thing I've asked for that I shall seek. Now, I want you to think about your prayers this week. Just take this week. All the prayers you've made. If you were to say one thing, one thing for sure that you prayed, I want you to get that in your head. What was it? One thing for sure I know I prayed. You know what the psalmist says that is? Come on. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. Was that on your prayer list? (laughs) It wasn't on mine, man. That's convicting to me. I got a lot of things I was praying about. Heal my mom. I love my mom. Heal her. I want her healed. It's okay. Pray those things. But if our prayers are consumed with just things that we want selfishly, and there's no really, in Jesus' name, humility prayers like this, God, look, I don't need anything. Just just let me dwell with you forever. That's all I want. If I don't get anything else that I could just be with you forever, that'd just be good enough for me. There's something about that attitude behind that prayer that I think puts us in a better standing to have a revival of holiness. You've got to spend time with the Holy One. And the only way to spend time with Him is with the proper posture, with the proper understanding that that's all I want, that's all I need, that'll be good enough for me. 2nd Chronicles, the, the, the third part of that prayer says, <clears throat> if they'll turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear them from heaven. What if you don't turn from your wicked ways? How well do you think your prayer is going to go over? Am not going to go over well. Jeremiah 14.10 says, they greatly love to wander. They do not restrain their feet. In other words, they just do whatever they want to do. They go wherever they want to go. Get themselves into whatever mess they want to get themselves into. So the Lord doesn't accept them. He will now remember their wickedness and punish them for their sins. Look at that. The Lord does not accept them. Jeremiah 14 goes on and says, Then the Lord said to me, Do not pray for the well-being of this people. What? You ever been told don't pray for those people? God says, don't pray for these people. I won't listen to their cry. See, I wasn't making it up. God does not listen to all prayer. And you wonder, you know, our first thought goes to God's not answering my prayer because He must be doing something that's not like He ought to do. But in reality, it's probably squarely here something wrong with this right here in my chest, in my mind. Something's wrong with my mind, my heart. I'll not listen to their cry. Though they offer burnt offerings and grain offerings, I won't accept them. You know, there are places in Scripture, in Old Testament prophets, a lot of the minor prophets are fired up, man. Like in Malachi, he says, I wish you'd just close the church doors. Just, just stop doing church. Your, your songs are noise to me, he says, in some places. It's like, just stop singing. Close the door, shut shop, just, just stop. It's enough, Is enough. If our hearts aren't right, and our hearts are not where, in this humble posture, and this, I don't, you know, I'm not saying we got to be perfect to get our prayers answered, but our hearts need to be moving toward God in humility and in reverence in a recognition of, woe is me, I am ruined. You know, that kind of prayer where God says, get up, I'm with you, you know. But it's not, I'm good, you know, and this con- man, we got to come in the right posture. I'm humble, and I want God to hear my plea. And I want revival. And this is how I'll end. Do you realize that, that the Bible gives you a hit list? It's found here in Colossians 3, verses 5 through 17. He gives you a whole list of things. And I'll let you look at this on your own time because we are out of time. Look at the list. But now the next time you look at it, I want you to view it like it's a hit list. You know what a hit list is, right? It's things that you've got to go kill. I had a buddy uh, who was in business and, and his boss came into to him every day and he always asked him one question. He said, hey, what have you strangled today? What his boss meant was, what one task have you finished to completion? In other words, what have you put your hands around and choked to death and got done today? And I wonder, with our sins and the things that are unholy about our lives, have we approached it that way? Have we said, you know what, I'm going to kill this thing. I'm going to kill it till it's dead, right? I'm not just going to hurt it. I'm not just going to maim it so it can recover and come back full-fledged in my life. I'm going to kill it. And then I'm going to get to the next one. I'm going to kill it. And then I'm going to get to the next one. I'm going to kill it. But see, Colossians chapter 3 doesn't just give us a hit list because Christianity is not just about things you've got to stop doing. It's about things you've got to start doing. And so there's also a clothing list. Because right after he says, put to death these things, and he gives you this big list of things to put a hit out on, then he says, clothe yourselves with all these other things, right? Humility, compassion, gentleness. You know what he's basically saying? He's saying, clothe yourself with Christ. Put on the characteristics of Jesus. You want to know how to revive holiness? Get quiet get before the Lord, be humble, pray, and just design, and just be willing to, to be with God in silence and be with God and just say, God, I want to be just like you. Show me how. Get me there, God. I'm sorry for my failure. Just, just take that posture with God, guys, and that is a prayer, I believe. If it is coming straight from your heart and it's genuine for your sake, God, bring revival to my holiness. If that's where you're coming from, God's going to answer it. He's going to put people in your life. He's going to put a desire in your life. He's going he's to make that thing happen. And He's going to bring revival. And then you don't have to worry about this hypocrisy stuff. You don't have to worry about being a burden or, or keeping someone from knowing the Lord, man, because of a lack of holiness. You're going to say, look, I'm not perfect, but God is making me holy. Man, won't you join me in this effort? Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your uh, blood that makes us perfect. But Father, in the process of being made holy, would you help us? Would you do more than help us? Would you just take over that process? Would you just just go inside of us and give us a new, a renewed zeal and a renewed uh, conviction that comes only through your spirit? Would you help us to see how we're not like Jesus and help us to learn how to be like Jesus? And God, if we're not willing to humble ourselves, would you just humble us? Would you get us there, whatever it takes? I know that's a dangerous prayer and it's a scary prayer, but Father, I'm just at that point. I want you to do that in my life, and I pray that for these folks too. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.